We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, Irish Breakdown Nation? Welcome to a brand new week. It is Monday. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That's not Brian Driscoll. That's Sean Davis, my guy. He's back in the house. Uh, Man, thanks for joining us again today, Sean. We're going to have some fun. Hey, it's my pleasure, as always, to come on and talk Notre Dame football with you guys. You guys are the best. Yeah, and and uh, we got We got to plug the the Lucky Lefty podcast that you guys you guys been making a little bit of uh, a little bit of noise here the last few weeks. I, you know, Malik giving his take on the quarterback situation and everything. I love it, man. Yeah, Malik is controversial. He's become <laughs> controversial when it comes to that quarterback room, but but he's been in it. He's actually been in that exactly. room and he knows what it's like. So to have that perspective out there, we'll just really appreciate, you know, we just really appreciate the support we receive from you guys. Absolutely. And, and Irish breakdown and even the fans that have come over and said, we love you guys. You know, we love seeing you on Irish breakdown as well. And I'm sure Malik is, he can't wait to jump on and talk to you guys. Nice. You know, in the upcoming week. So thank you guys so much for all the support and, uh, yeah, we're all a big family. Love it, love it, love it. And of course, uh, Sean's from ESPN Chicago, as his uh, moniker says there as well. So you can catch Sean all over the place, man. Uh, but we got stuff. We haven't talked to you in a little while, so I want to get. Look, man, it was not a good Saturday a couple Saturdays ago, and I don't mean to bring up negative feelings and everything from everybody, but I, I want to get your take on kind of how things went last Saturday, and um, you know. I also want your opinion on Cincinnati in general. Like, what do you do? You think that they're a top five, top four team, and then your thoughts on the game itself. I mean, if we're going to go by resume, I would definitely put them in my top four. If I'm just taking a step back and just looking at teams and watching them with my eyes, I don't think I would say they're a top four team, top right. five team. Like Cincinnati wouldn't beat Alabama if they played on a neutral field. No they way. wouldn't, but right now I wouldn't put Alabama in my top four. Right, because they got a loss. They got a loss, and they lost to an unranked team. So, right. so they would have to win out, beat Georgia, who I think is without doubt the number one team in the country to this point. 
But I love, I do love, I came away with uh, a greater appreciation for Cincinnati, watching how they played. And there wasn't so much we can talk about the early decision to put Buckner in at that point in a t- tough game and how it changed the momentum of the game and kind of got uh, Cincinnati comfortable. That's yeah. what I was concerned about. Like as long as Cincinnati is uncomfortable, Notre Dame should be able to win this game. But once Cincinnati was able to be comfortable, get a cushion and a nice lead, even when the game got close, I still felt like at that point they had the confidence they needed to go ahead and finish it out. And they did that on that last drive in the fourth quarter. Tip of my cap to Desmond Ritter, who made the plays when they were needed. Uh, he was a little bit, little bit more than sneaky accurate, according to Brian Kelly on that Saturday. But uh, – yeah, I came away with a little, especially the defense. I think the Cincinnati defense impressed me more than anything. Yeah. I knew they had a great defensive backfield. I did uh, predict. I thought Michael Mayer would have a big game, and he did. And I thought if we played better along the offensive line, he probably would have had a monster game. Sure. Double-digit receptions and multiple touchdowns. But that's just the way it goes. It, that's the type of game that's needed. And what I mean by that, Vince, it's like you plug along, you plug along, you plug along. You know you have flaws, but you're able to find a way, right? And then in your mind, you're thinking that you're better than you really are, and you really need something to jar you to say, sure. whoa, we really need to go back to the drawing board of some things. And I think that's what we saw in certain areas when it, um, up in Blacksburg on Saturday night. I think we saw them say, hey, Cincinnati really showed us who we are. Like, we can talk a good game. We can talk yeah. about, hey, we won. We can say it's unfair to come to criticize this coach. It's unfair to criticize the offensive line. But at the end of the day, Cincinnati exposed the areas of concern. And there was no way that the program, Brian Kelly, or the coaches or the players could run and hide. They had to deal with it. And from what I saw in Blacksburg on Saturday night, I felt like they dealt with it. And now the arrow is pointing up. I really think, especially, you know, when you look at the youngsters and the way they perform, I really think that the arrow is pointing up for this program. And, and the schedule is looking – USC is awful. <laughs> <laughs> they are so bad. Oh, they're so bad. Oh, man. And having a bye week going into that game and then North Carolina and Virginia, every game is very winnable. And Notre Dame should really win double digits. Yeah, the rest no question. Of the so we're just looking for the team and the program to get better, right? Yep, yep. And then, and I think that there's, you know, some things that they can touch on in the offs or in the, you know, during the bye week. Mm-hmm. You know, some things you can do to get better, uh, for sure. That obviously being real great not to have to talk about the quarterback position, uh, but <laughs> that's going to be a topic of conversation here. Uh, I know Brian and I are going to do a show on the quarterbacks here at some point this week, so uh, you know, stay tuned for that. But, uh, you know, they've got some things to get ironed out. And I think as far as the quarterback is concerned, I mean, I think people just have to understand that there's probably going to be a multi-quarterback situation at Notre Dame for the rest of the year. What that looks like, I think they kind of have to get some things figured out this week and have, an, you know, a plan for what that looks like. Yeah. But, you know – all three quarterbacks have their flaws. All three have the ability to spark this offense. And, you know, so we'll see what happens there. But you're right. I think this team 
it was a little bit of a gut check moment after that Cincinnati game. And I thought overall we saw some leadership that we kind of questioned last week. Absolutely. Um, I think we saw it from the coaches. I think we saw it from the players. Uh, You know, there's plenty of things to clean up. Don't get me wrong, but they played with a fire that I don't, I hadn't seen really yet, uh, especially along the offensive line. I, I thought those guys battled hard. I, I thought they played really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and it showed. Now, there's still plenty of technical stuff to to clean up. You know, <laughs> they are not a good offensive line yet. And, you know, they're a ways away from that yet. But they played hard, man. And that's the hardest that I've seen them play all season. I think they played hard because it. you and Brian, both of you guys, and you right now, you're still coaching. Brian coached previously. When you're a coach – you want players to do what you expect them to do. And at some point you have to realize as a coach, like I have to stop asking them to do things that they can't do. Absolutely. And maybe that's what we saw against Virginia tech with the offensive line. It was like, you know what? Cincinnati showed us what we can't do. Like we're not able to do the things that are our strengths or have been our right. strengths in the running game. So let's go ahead and change some things and focus on what we can be successful at. Let's get these youngsters in here. We never thought we would see Joe Alt this early in this season. Facts. And, and, yeah. Chris, and Chris you know, that that clipping call on him late in the game was horrible. It was I agree. Horrible. It, oh, it, he, it, like, it, he, like, tripped and hit the guy's ankles. Like, yeah. it, was, it was not a clip. It just no. – it, it was an unathletic trip. <laughs> you and know, he fell over. Trippers, right? I mean, yeah. None of us look good when we face plant, and uh, and and that's what happened. And it wasn't a clip at all. I get where the because the official that called it was the umpire, so he was back by the linebackers, mm-hmm. so he was kind of covered up, and it looked like, you know, he kind of went into his back, you know. But from the other view, I mean, he didn't even touch him. It's <laughs> no. no. just a bad call, bad no. call. And um, that game understand. Blessings come in different packages. And that Virginia Tech game being on the schedule right after Cincinnati was like the perfect package that Notre Dame needed, not just for the team, for the program, for the program. Brian Kelly talked about how sick the players were after that Cincinnati game, which I think bodes well because it tells you where the mindset of the program is. Like, we do not expect to lose doesn't matter how bad we have been playing up to that game. We expect to win every game on the schedule. We feel like we're better than everybody on our schedule. That's where you need to – that's where your program is, and that's a really good thing to have. Sure. And leading up to the Virginia Tech game, you knew it was going to be a raucous crowd. At night, you saw how it rocked Sam Howe and North Carolina in that first game. So you expected a rocky start. At least I expected a rocky sure. start. But Jack Cohn comes out and he struggles. And then Tyler Buckner, all of a sudden, for like a quarter and a half, makes you feel like the quarterback quandary is over. Right. Absolutely. I was like, okay, he can throw the ball. All right. I'm sitting here like, okay, we can just rock with Tyler for the rest of the year. Right. Develop. Third quarter comes, and this is where my angst with Tommy Reese comes, comes in a little bit. There were no adjustments. It's almost like we didn't expect Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech to adjust and say, okay, we have to stop this kid running the ball. 
and sure. force him to pass. We can't give him both. And then the luck of the Irish, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, the football gods, you know, on, a, on an interception, Tyler Buckner's just jumping up and down, and all of a sudden, oh, ankle just rolls. Yeah. And the player we needed at quarterback in that position at that time with the most poise in the quarterback room was the guy that went back out there. And it couldn't have worked out any more perfect for Notre Dame, the way that game played out. I know. So, yo, that is what they actually needed after that Cincinnati game. Like, that's the prescription you needed for the sickness of the disappointment that they had after Cincinnati. And like I said before, we saw a lot of things that you should – I am so excited to see Kevin Austin rebound. Now, that's one good thing I can say about the kid. When he has a bad game, that next game more than likely, he's going to show up. Yeah, yeah. we just can't keep – we can't keep going like yeah. this, Now obviously. we're just looking for the consistency. Yes, absolutely. for the consistency and stop allowing people to mentally take you out of your game right. and get you frustrated. That two-point conversion snag was oh. – I, I, there was a there was a picture on social media um, after the fact, and I I, I want to say I saw it on Sunday, and it was from the South Bend Tribune. Yeah. And after he caught it, he came down. One of the defenders from uh, Virginia Tech, as he was coming down, grabbed his helmet it, yeah. and yanked it, his head back. Yeah, he still held on to the ball. Like yeah. I thought that that play was amazing. Just the catch. I mean, you know, it, it looked like, uh, you know, uh, the 49ers versus the Cowboys, right? You know, yeah. in the back, it looked like that. And the catch was, I had no idea that he about got his head ripped off at the same time. I mean, it, it just adds to the level of respect on that play. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And kudos to Jack Cohn, who, oh. who has cement, cement in his feet, but <laughs> found a way to buy time. Found a way to buy time on that play and give his receiver a chance to go up and make a catch. Absolutely amazing. And I saw you, you know, on the post-game show talking about, hey, George Tackett can actually catch the ball if you throw it to him. They, guess what? One target, one catch. <laughs> right. <laughs> if he's on the field, you can look at him too. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Oh, man. So, obviously, we're talking about a win, which is good, especially going into the bye week. We can all kind of – you know, take a breath. Uh, if, if Notre Dame loses, I don't, I don't know if they're just blowing up the campus or, you know, what, what happens at that point. Uh, but, you know, everybody can kind of take a step back and, and be okay. NFL football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% off the difference in the purchase price. Whether you're a Bears fan in Indiana like me, a Colts fan in Indy, a Giants or a Jets fan in New York City, a Broncos fan in Denver, a Cowboys fan in Dallas, or anywhere in between, TickPick is your spot to get tickets to all the NFL games. Just visit TickPick.com Irish today and use the promo code Irish to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com Irish 
and use the promo code IRISH to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, but guess what? There were other games going on uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Well, really, all weekend for that matter. Um, you know, we, the aforementioned Tennessee, I mean, uh, Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati goes out on Friday when they pretty much have the entire thing to themselves, except for Arizona and Stanford. But Cincinnati goes out and puts a thumping on Temple, 52-3. to three. Um, Look, they did what they're supposed to do against a team like Temple. And, you know, their schedule, you know, Cincinnati's schedule, this is what they're supposed to do for the rest of the way. I mean, you know, they've got UCF, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF, SMU, and and Eastern Carolina. I would be shocked if there was a loss in there anywhere, right? I mean, you know, we'll see. There's a chance, I suppose, but not a good one. No, it's really not a good chance. I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in that conference, and I think they'll show that. I think their big game, their Super Bowl, was a week ago in yep. South Bend. They got it done. Tip of the cap to them. Sure. They'll probably get into the college football playoff as a non-power five, and I don't think anybody will have any debate if they make it. But yeah. I think they'll probably end up the four seed. They're probably locked into that four seed. Right, right. If they're in, I can't see them putting them above – some of the teams that will be above them, right? No. It'll, it, and it'll be very interesting, honestly, when the college football playoff rankings come out because they yeah. don't always match the AP and the coaches, you know, and yeah. all that. They, they, you know, they, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, walk to the beat of a different drummer at times, right? Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they do with Cincinnati. I mean, look, they, right now they deserve to be up there with the resume and everything. Um, and as long as they keep, shellacking teams i mean they're they're still going to be up there but you know do they put an alabama above them you know a one loss alabama team right yeah. because i don't think anybody's going to argue that alabama's schedule is more difficult than cincinnati's schedule right, right. um so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see kind of where they slot cincinnati um in this initial poll because it's all about where you get slotted at first yeah you know what i mean as to where you're going to be able to move up or down so um it, We'll we'll see what happens. I, I think. Look, give him a shot. Give him a shot. You know, I think Luke Fickle's a really good coach. Um, he'll have the team ready. I just don't know if they have the horses to keep up with some of those big dogs. They do have a few hurdles, like you said. If Alabama happens to run the table 
and then beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. And then Georgia only has one loss. Right. And now you have two SEC teams. You figure the Big Ten champion will more than likely make it to so three slots. But what if Ohio State runs the table and right. they get undefeated Iowa in the Big Ten championship game? Then what do you do? And you got Oklahoma. Right. And you have Oklahoma. And yeah. BYU yeah. is playing well. You know, they're off the radar, but, you know, do you equate them with Cincinnati in a sense? So they have a few more hurdles, but I, I think they have the inside track on the number four seed in the college football playoffs. Yeah, that it. You're right. It is going to be very interesting. If if you know, obviously Georgia's in the driver's seat. If they can knock off Alabama, then Alabama has two losses. Then they're out. I mean, I, oh, I don't know that. You know what I mean? I don't know that you can make a case, even though their schedule is going to be a thousand times more difficult than yeah. Cincinnati's. I just don't think that you can put a two-loss team above Cincinnati. That yeah, I don't yeah. know that I see that happening. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. So let's start right there. Alabama, man, they they were down, and then they came back, and then you yeah. got the last-second field goal by Texas A&M. You got all the back-and-forth talk between, you know, Saban. And, you know, the, the whole understudy hasn't beaten Saban. They're, like, over 25, and, you know – all of the storylines and everything, but AM pulls it out in the end with the with the last second field goal, 41-38. What are your thoughts on that game? First of all, the Texas AM defense finally lived up to his preseason feeling. <laughs> right. Because they gave the Alabama offense the flux for about two and a half quarters. Right. It really did. And then Alabama got things going. And then that big kickoff return. Hey, Texas A&M, another 14-point lead, some more cushion. You know what I came away thinking about? How good was the Ohio State wide receiver room two years ago? Right. When the guy that leaves Ohio State goes to Alabama is automatically the best receiver on their team. Like, <laughs> well, you had Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson at the same time, and he couldn't get on the field at Ohio State, so he goes to Alabama. That's I was like, oh, that's just amazing. But right. Alabama, we've seen these cracks, right? We saw the cracks against Florida. They're not as physical. Right. They, they lack something that Texas A&M took advantage of with Anais Williams over and over again, especially late in that game, is that they don't have the depth in the defensive backfield that they usually have, and that's Nick Saban's specialty. That's what he teaches. He teaches the defensive backs. Right. When they went to the nickel – they had a safety cover in the slot. So I don't know if it was because of injury or he just doesn't trust some of the young guys. But Alabama not having that depth and skilled players at the defensive back position, especially in their nickel, that was uh, something I never expected. And yeah. Texas A&M went at it and exposed it, especially in the fourth quarter, over and over and over again. So, yeah. I, this is not the same physical Alabama team that right. We're... Yeah, oh, I agree. I mean, yeah. they looked they looked unbeatable because of their offense. I think yeah. you know yeah. going up into this game, and it was the defense that was like, I mean, look, they're they're really good, yeah. but they there's holes just like you said, and I and I think that was the biggest thing that people were I don't want to say overlooking, but the offense you know, covered up a lot of uh, deficiencies, I would say. I, I think that's the best way to put it. 
If Vince, is it possible? Because Nick Saban was lauded and has been lauded for making a transition from being the power team, the physical team that runs the ball 40 times a game, 50 times a game, to open it up, going and getting these five star quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Tua, right. Bryce Young, and everybody's lauded him how he's opened up and changed. He had great play callers like Lane Kiffin, when got Sark, who's now at Texas, and allowed them to do their thing and run their run his offense. Do you think he kind of in doing that and going more finesse on offense? I wonder if it impacted his recruiting on defense. Hmm. Because now in your mindset, you think the game is going this way. So now you start to recruit sure. more speed yeah. on the defensive side of the ball instead of having those physical guys up front and those thumpers in the linebacker positions that can shut down the run. I just I wonder in the transition of getting more speed if he's lost some of that physicality he was used to in that program. I'll tell you what, that that is a very uh, interesting take. And I, I, I got to say, I don't disagree with you. Uh, when you change your mindset about how you want to do certain things, because remember, what, back in 2012-ish? Yeah. I mean, it was a, I mean, they were a slobber knocker team. I mean, yeah. they, they would just beat you and then beat you and then beat you some more on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, running the football and then the defense just flying around and just, just knocking you silly. That's really not the case anymore, right? We know what they're doing on offense. They're slinging it all over the place. They're they're using matchups to their advantage. You know, they're you're right, finesse. They're a finesse offense now, right? And you know, they don't have the running backs that they had in the past either. You know, yeah. those guys that are between the tackles probably want to make a business decision and not get run over by those guys, right? Right. Um, that's not the case anymore either. So a really interesting take man that's why we bring you on here man. It's, 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 i've had to think about it because i know his defensive mind if he knows offense offenses are going more spread and more pass the defensive genius he is is saying i have to get more guys on my defense to be able to defend and stop these offenses and in doing that you go and you get rangy guys sure you get speed guys you know i look at his linebackers they look a little light in the pants yeah. He doesn't have that middle linebacker that's like 240, 250. That triangle guy, right? Yeah. The guy that's, he's going to be right here. He's going B gap to B gap and just, yeah. you know, snot bubble you when you yeah. try to run. But they were known for always having a, a nose tackle, whether it was Cody or right. you know, all the other great, you know, big guys he's had up the middle. Like I said, that triangle where these three guys are going to shut down your run game. Right. And everybody else is going to do their job. Right, right. And <laughs> that's it. I look at his linebackers now, they're maybe about 215, 220, you know, great in coverage. But when teams want to line up and get physical like Florida did in the second half, you know, you have a little bit tougher time of dealing with that. So Yeah, good, good point. Yeah. I like that. I like where your head's at, man. That's why we bring you here. That's why we bring you on, man. All right. So uh next game, let's go just we're, we'll just go right down the list as far as uh from a, a standings standpoint, right? Yeah. So uh, we just talked Alabama, let's talk Georgia. You know, not a huge surprise here. They pretty much take care of business against Auburn. I mean, Auburn only scores 3 points in the first half. They they get a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh but it, I mean, by the time they got that touchdown, the game was pretty much over. Final yeah. score 34-10. Uh, thoughts on the Bulldogs? They're they're pretty much number one dog right now, no pun intended. Look, 
when we did this in our predictions, I think I typed out three sentences. <laughs> that was it. It's like, look, <laughs> this game would not be close. Right. And if you want to spend time watching something for three to four hours on a Saturday, the Georgia Bulldog defense is well worth your time. Absolutely agree. Well worth your time. NFL players at every level, and if you want to see 330 and 350-pound guys running 4'6", four, 4'7", four, that's what you're going to see. Right. I've never seen anything like it. And Kirby has done an amazing – he's a great teacher on the defensive side of the ball, saving disciple. But the accumulation of talent – I mean, it's one of the best defenses I've watched. Yeah, in college football, just flat out, one of the best defenses I've ever watched in college football. And I don't have a problem. I can only watch them for four and a half because the game gets boring. Yeah, right. Of dominant because of dominance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm amazed for a half. For a half. (laughs) Then I'm like, okay, I can turn because I know how this is going to turn out. But right. Yeah, they they are really. They are. I think Kirby Smart finally, if he does not play it safe, that's been the problem. Yeah, absolutely. It has not been the. He's had teams that could beat Nick Saban in Alabama. When they lost in the national championship, they were the better team. If he doesn't play safe and he's aggressive, yeah, they are better than Alabama. They are the more physical team. They have weapons on offense. They have a better running game, and they have a better defense. And if, if he can't you know, beat Nick Saban this year, Vince, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> right? I you look a healthy JT Daniels. I think is the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do because I you're right. They can pound it, and they can pound it. And there's certain things you can do to take away the run, but a healthy JT Daniels gives you that extra dimension uh, offensively for Georgia. Yeah. And look, look, Stetson Bennett is a is you know he's a great story. I mean, he threw for 231 yards and two touchdowns in, in, in the Auburn game. He's a good little player, don't get me wrong, but he's not JT Daniels, right? I mean, yeah. JT Daniels is a different cat. And uh, you you pair him up with this Georgia defense. I mean, look, they gave up 46 yards rushing to Auburn, 1.6 yards a rush. Yeah. I mean, talk about shutting yeah. it down. I mean, are you kidding me? They didn't get 50 yards on the ground. So that's two straight weeks, two teams that are known for running the ball and being physical have come up against that defense and woefully underperformed right. with their rushing attack. Yep. That's Arkansas and Auburn. So they made Arkansas look pedestrian. Very much so. You know, you saw, you saw what Arkansas went and did offensively, even though they lost. They were able to put up numbers. They put up 51 points against Absolutely. Ole Miss. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're saying to yourself, is this the same offense? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that took the field in between the hedges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same offense. Don't be fooled. The Georgia Bulldog defense is just that good. Exactly. Exactly. Let, let's go Big Ten here, Sean. I Penn State, Iowa. I didn't really know what to make of this game because you got two offenses that aren't real good. Yeah. Uh it actually scored more than I thought it would, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I didn't see both teams getting into the 20s. Uh, but Iowa, look. They put the points together when they needed to, 10 fourth-quarter points, and they win by three. I Explain it to me. 
Because I don't understand how the drop-off. Look, Sean Clifford is not exactly the greatest quarterback. Agreed. But for the drop-off in the quarterback room up there at Penn State to be that bad when he goes out of the game, I'm like, James Franklin, what are you doing? Right. You sleep at the wheel. Like, all you had to do was have a serviceable quarterback. Look, if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt, Penn State wins the game. I agree. I agree. All we heard about was how great the defensive backfield for Iowa was. Their wide receivers, Penn State's wide receivers, were running open all game long. They had opportunities even when Sean Clifford went out. And there was nothing they could do in the passing game. Right. They just couldn't get the job done. And the defense played their hearts out. They just gave it up at the end. They just gave it up at the end. And I feel bad. I feel bad for that team because they went yeah. to Phoenix Stadium and they gave you an effort that you needed to pull the pull upset in a top five matchup, unfortunately. And then, you know, I looked at – it's not my body, right? I never played the quarterback position. Sure, sure. But when I saw Sean Clifford get hit, I'm like, okay, that looks like a normal – Fall right. Quarterback is hit after th- after he throws the ball, and for him not to return, I was just kind of like, man, you know, I'm thinking like if I'm the quarterback and I know how big this game is, I would probably you would have to carry me from the huddle to the line, like Byron Leftwich, his his offensive lineman carrying him down the field. Yeah, the field. like right. What would be my mindset if I was Sean Clifford? Like I'm not coming out of this game. Right. I'm, I'm lying. I, it, maybe it was a concussion, whatever it was. I'm going to find a way to tell the doctors, like, you're not taking me off the field today. Right. Not today. I have yeah. to lead my guys. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to come back. And as much as they tried to hold on to that 17 to 3 lead, I would just wore them down. Field position. I can't tell you how important special teams is in a college football game because the Iowa punter over and over and over again when Iowa would struggle offensively pinned the Nittley Lions inside their 20 over and over again and it kept giving a short field to Iowa until eventually they were able to take advantage of it so great game though great you want to talk about a Midwest snobber knocker physical yeah Everybody getting hit all over the field. You don't want to be in the trenches because you're not going to come away. You're going to come away with a limb missing. <laughs> not like it was, that, it was that type of game. It was like if you're watching it on TV and you had the volume up, you heard crack and pop. All you heard pads, day. pads, man. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. was, you know, the Big Ten, you know, as powerful as they are and, you know, they've been top heavy obviously, for the last few years. Absolutely. And Absolutely. they just haven't had these kind of, uh, you know, nationally recognized type games. Yeah. And look, Big Ten showed up. And yeah. it was a game that did not involve teams like Michigan and Ohio State, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, it's good for the – as much as I can't stand the Big Ten, uh, as a Notre Dame fan, I got to give them credit. They showed up, right? And it was not yeah. a blowout. It was a game. Yeah. came down to the wire. It wasn't the prettiest football, you know, you know, that you could ask for, but it was Big Ten football. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, they, yeah, they, I thought that they got what they needed 
uh, out of that game from a Big Ten, from a conference perspective, right? I, yeah. They showed up. Yeah, and I think Penn State, I'm interested because Penn State historically, other James Franklin knows dives. Right, they get absolutely. off to the good start. They lose a tough game. Sure. The rest of the season is downhill. So I'm very interested in seeing how they recover if Sean Clifford will be back next week. Look, man, if I'm one of his teammates, I'm looking at him like, you better miss at least two games. <laughs> yeah. If you're sitting on the sideline after that hit, you better <laughs> miss the next two games. Because if you're back next week, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Like Love it, man. Five minutes behind a clock, a locked door. Oh, that's the way I would feel as a teammate. Like, yo, you have to fight through that in that type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Said, it used to be top heavy, but you got Michigan State's playing well. Yeah, they are. Michigan's playing well. Ohio State is trending up again. You have Iowa. You have Penn State. So they're going to have some great games coming down the rest of October and November. Yeah, and it's a championship. I, I am not comparing the Big Ten to the SEC. That That's not what this next statement is doing. But they're going to be knocking each other out at this point. Oh, absolutely. Like, like the SEC does, right? Because they got to play each other. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, Michigan State's undefeated. Like you said, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, five Big Ten teams in the top ten yeah. uh, in this week's polls. That's crazy to me. That's absolutely crazy. But the Big Ten's showing up, man. I, I give them credit. They're showing up. And uh, they're showing out, but uh, they're going to – we got a, some good ones coming up, I would imagine. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how the Big Ten shakes out for sure. Yeah, physicality, defense, trenches mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the day. Run games. All of that. And at the end of the day, Ryan Day still has the best quarterback of the bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Scary but true. We'll, we'll, see, how we see, we'll see how it plays out. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go to the Big 12, soon to be SEC, Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River rivalry. Uh, Can't call it the shootout anymore. It's not PC, uh, apparently. Uh, But Oklahoma, Texas. So I, you know, I watched the first half of this game because it was a noon game, I want to say. Either way, I watched the first half. Texas completely controls this game. I mean, Completely controls it. They're getting turnovers. They're throwing bombs. They're, I mean, they're doing all – Oklahoma just looks lost, frankly. Uh, and then all of a sudden – so I'm like, you know what? This game is over. I'm not even going to pay attention to it anymore. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma makes a quarterback change. And, I, I you know, this is coming from somebody who covers Notre Dame. Apparently it sparks the offense, and they go crazy. And they end up winning this game unbelievably so. So they have a – they're squarely with a co- quarterback controversy on their hands, yeah. uh, but Oklahoma ends up taking it fifty-five to forty-eight. Another barn burner offensively. I mean, just just crazy. What are your thoughts on that game? I mean, twenty-five points in the fourth quarter by Oklahoma. Holy crap! I am every time I watch Oklahoma, they give me a reason to be unimpressed. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm watching and I want to be impressed because I want somebody else at the table besides Alabama. Yep. Besides Clemson, which may happen this year. Well, both teams might miss. Clemson's not. I think Clemson's out of the conversation, obviously. Absolutely. But yeah. Yep. But I came away from that game thinking, I'm jealous. And this is what I mean. I watched Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley and the creativity of their offense. Yeah. And I just sat there for about four hours and said, mm. if only 
we can have that same creativity in South Bend. Our players are just as good. Yeah. Quarterbacks are comparable. Oklahoma offensive line has struggled all year. Texas offensive line, young, struggled. Sounds familiar. Yeah. But the creativity of the offense is still able to produce points in spite of that. And I think when you saw Caleb Williams come in, just like with any running quarterback, they help and they aid the rushing attack because that's one rusher that you can't account for in the running game. That is the quarterback. So it takes defenses, you know, a few minutes, a few possessions to adjust. But what Lincoln Riley did is that he stayed ahead of the defensive coordinator. He anticipated what the adjustments would be. And he had a counter for the adjustments. So now if we're running quarterback power and we're gashing you or we're running RPOs and we're gashing you, I see you now slanting to the middle and then bringing your linebackers over the top. So now what I'll do is I'll run a fake quarterback power, direct snap it to my running back out of the same look and then pull my back end guard and tackle and run a counter off of it. Because your linebackers are anticipating from what they've been seeing. Sure. The quarterback power. And they just gassed him the entire fourth quarter because he anticipated what the adjustment would be of the Texas defense. And yeah, it I, I had to calm myself down. I felt jealous <laughs> coming all over me. I just felt it. And I'm saying, man, why can't we see this type of creativity? You yeah. go when Buckner comes in, right? He lights the offense up, passing the ball, running the ball. We come out in the second half. We try to run the same plays. There's no counter. Like, did you just think Virginia Tech wouldn't adjust? Like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. We're just going to allow him to keep doing the same thing. No, you have to anticipate that and offer the same action. Have a reverse. Have a sweep. Have something that's going to get them – and take advantage of their pursuit. And we didn't do anything like that. So when I watched that game, it was really about the genius of Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley on full display. And it was a fabulous game. Even when even when Texas was up big, I expected Oklahoma to make it close because that's just the way that series goes. Like one team jumps out, the momentum shifts. It's a close game in the fourth quarter, and things were hanging in the balance. I was – Pleasantly surprised with the way Texas came back once Oklahoma did take the lead. You know, Texas responded. Yeah. It came back. So I think both of these teams, when they get into the SEC, it'll be interesting how the dynamic of their recruiting changes and how their roster changes. It was, I also was very proud to see former Notre Dame linebacker Ovia Gofu out there making plays for Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to see him being successful. He had a pretty solid game at the linebacker position uh, for Texas. And um, both defenses are not good, to say the least. Poor tackling, undisciplined penalties in key situations. So, yeah, for that, you know, if you love points in offense, that game gave you everything that you wanted and needed. Well, I mean, look, it it was (laughs) – when there's a combined over 100 points scored – uh, oh, defense is generally not in the conversation. No, no. <laughs> That's and what I mean. and yeah. Marvin, the, the Mims touchdown, 
where he jumps back and barely gets his foot in bounds. The throw from Caleb Williams on the run, 60 yards, the catch, just, man, those are like college football moments that you just don't forget. Like, you'll right. always remember watching that catch. Even if yep. you're not a fan of that team, it's like, man, I remember that play. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that's great college football. It was a great weekend, Vince. Just an absolute great weekend yeah. to be a college football fan. No question. I mean, look, we talked about Ohio State. They they put a beat down on Maryland who, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Brian and I were having a conversation about, hey, do, you know, don't overlook Maryland. They've, they've got some guys on that team, yeah. 66 to 17. They, they don't have Ohio State guys, <laughs> you no. know. I mean, they just, they just don't. Uh, and then <sighs> Michigan. I mean, I, I I hate to say it, they're they're playing good football. I I don't I'm I'm ready for that to to blow up in their face at any moment. I and I thought it might happen against Nebraska, and it almost did. Yeah, Thir- thirteen fourth quarter points ends up getting it done for them. They win by three points. Uh, and Michigan, I can't. Michigan is a top ten team. I, yeah. What what's what what. what set, you know, decade did I wake up in, man? How how is this happening? I don't. I just don't. Doesn't and compute for me, man. They're doing it. They lost their best offensive weapon three games ago in Ronnie Bell. He was Mr. Everything. Kay McNamara has come in and been a John uh, Harbaugh, I mean, a Jim Harbaugh prototype at quarterback. I mean, yeah. same size, runs around, makes plays off script, can throw decently from the pocket, doesn't have a big arm, but is good enough doesn't turn the ball over, and then they get the running game going. And they're physical up front once again. And their defense, which oh, even when they disappointed from a record standpoint, the defense has always had yeah. playmakers. Agreed. Rushers. The defensive backfield has been questionable some years, but the front seven is usually pretty formidable. Sure. And uh, now he has a quarterback that's stabilizing everything, and it bodes well. I will say this. 
Nebraska's better than their record. Yeah. Nebraska's better than their record. They could have beaten Oklahoma at Oklahoma. They deserve to beat Oklahoma. They outplayed Oklahoma, in my opinion. They just can't get out of their own way at the most inopportune time. Right. They're inside the 10. Here's a penalty. Or here's a turnover. And they did that multiple times against Oklahoma. They did it multiple times against Michigan. They had a chance to seize full control of that game and couldn't take full advantage of it. So Nebraska's better. So uh, Scott Frost is coaching his butt off. He's coaching for his life. Yep, he's coaching for his life, all right. Absolutely. And he's not getting the results, but if people can watch how they play, that team is better than they've been the last two years. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, I – yeah, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, Michigan and Michigan State have both been basically train wrecks for the past few years, yeah. and uh, they're both undefeated. They're yeah. combined 12-0 and 0 right now. 12-0, and 0, and they're both ranked higher than Notre Dame. Of course, Notre Dame's got a loss. Absolutely. Um, but like my, my father-in-law is a Michigan State grad, so he's a huge Spartan fan. So I get to hear about Michigan State all the time. Best running back in the country, you know, all this stuff. And I mean, look, guy, the kid had 29 carries for 232 yards and a touchdown. It's kind of hard to argue when the production is there, but Michigan State continues to roll, man. Yeah. I, I don't, it's, <laughs> I just don't, uh, I don't get it. And they got IU, uh, they're on the road at IU, and then the big one against Michigan, uh, you know, the, the weekend of Halloween. I, it, and they're going to be coming off of a bye week. So, that's going to be a huge game, Michigan State, Michigan, and 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 it's in East Lansing. Yeah, you know they're all about the run historically at Michigan right. State, and Kenny Walker's been great, but Jalen Naylor, I mean, sixty-three yard touchdown, sixty-three yard touchdown, then sixty-five. It's like you have three big plays like that from your receiver, so they're very balanced, but they're yep. more explosive than he used to from a Spartan offense. Crazy. And more explosive. And that game of Michigan and Michigan State, I just like the fact that we're going to have rivalry games that are very competitive. Yeah. That means a lot in the college football season. Yeah, of course, everything is about the college football playoff, finding the national champion, the bowls. But the pageantry and the feeling of college football is competitive games in rivalry games. Like, Michigan, Michigan State is going to mean something. It's going to be huge. I, you know, look, Michigan has Northwestern yeah. uh, in a couple weeks because they got their bye week coming up this week. And then obviously, I said Michigan State has IU. They're, they're, I think they're both going to be seven and oh. Yeah. It's going to be a top 10 showdown. Absolutely. You know, I, I just, blowing because we haven't seen that out of that rivalry in a long time. No. At the end of the season, Michigan, Ohio State is going to mean something. Yes. Something's going to be on the line, and that's great. I think Iowa-Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin is not as good from a record standpoint, that's going to be a tough game for Iowa, and that's their rival. Right. So college football is in a great place, and I'm ready for this race to the end. This sprint is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. No question. No question. All right, I'm going to ask you – are there any other games that you want to talk about? We kind of hit the big ones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's more games in the top 25. BYU losing, I think, is big. You know, they lost to Boise State. Yeah. Uh, and it was a home game for BYU as well. Uh, and that was, yikes, that that hurt them. They're going to, they, I believe they tumbled 
in the in the standings. Uh, let's see here. Let's check out the old AP rankings here. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> they tumbled down to nineteenth. They dropped nine spots. I didn't know they dropped that far. Yeah, okay. they they dropped down nine spots um, in in this week's poll, which is okay. Woo! Yikes! And then they dropped ten spots in the coaches' poll. So. <laughs> They, yeah, forgot, the, uh, forgot, the media has a little yeah. bit more respect for BYU than the coaches. Yeah, I forgot they took the L, so that's one less hurdle for Cincinnati going yeah. back to our earlier conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, they're undefeated. Uh, they're 6-0. and So, I mean, they would be the other Power 5 – or the non-Power 5, but they're sitting at 15. Yeah. So, that's going to be a tough haul to get them up, you know, where it's going to count. Um. I shouldn't say where it's going to count, but where they're going to have a chance to, you know, you know, get an invitation to the dance, as they say. So Cincinnati's clearly got the inside track. I mean, they're sitting at number three right now. It's Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma are your top four. Yeah. Alabama sitting on the outside looking in at five. So um, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see where those first college football uh, playoff poll comes in. I, Let's see. I want to see if it has it. Uh, I don't remember when it comes out. Do you, do you know off the top of your head uh, when the college football playoff poll comes out? I know ESPN usually drops at around 3 o'clock. Um, That's all right. I, I know – I think it comes out in October. So, you know, hopefully oh, – no, I'm sorry. I, missed, I didn't hear you correctly. Yeah, the college the football first, playoff. The first college football playoff rankings come out, I believe, week after week seven. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so there it's like we go. four, it's like four weeks. It's either week eight, I think it's after week seven, and then you get four weeks of the rankings. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Okay, yeah. cool. So we're looking at about a week away uh from the from the CFP rankings to come out. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how they slot Cincinnati, what they think about their resume and, and how that works. We got a few minutes left. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. Do you think this is interesting? Yeah. I actually thought that Notre Dame would be a trap game for Virginia Tech. Of course, everybody gives Notre Dame the best effort. Of course. But the goal for Virginia Tech is to win the ACC, and that's still a lot. Yeah. Because they play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh comes to Blacksburg next week. And that game is far more important to the goals of Virginia Tech. Oh, Virginia sure. Tech wasn't going to they, – they already lost to West Virginia. They weren't going to be in the college football playoffs. So there was no national landscape goal for them. But their goal of winning the ACC is very much still alive. And I propose that, you know, Pittsburgh is more important than Notre Dame. Even though the name is bigger, Sure, the Pittsburgh game for Virginia Tech is much more. And I was like, you know, Notre Dame might actually be a trap game for Virginia Tech because in their mind they know even if we lose this, what we want to get done is still attainable. Absolutely, yeah, because they're they're tied for the lead right now in the Coastal. Pitt yeah. and Virginia Tech both are 1-0. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot to play for. And, Absolutely. You know, you've got, you've got Virginia is in third. They've got two losses. You've got Georgia Tech. They've got two losses. North Carolina has three losses. So, you know, it, it's going to be between Pitt and Virginia Tech, and that's a huge game, an huge absolutely game. huge game. Huge game. And they gave they gave Notre Dame their best. Without sure. That, they gave Notre Dame their best. But the big fish 
for them is still Pittsburgh in the yes. grand scheme of things of what they want to accomplish. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the ACC is obviously wide open with, with Clemson being two and one. Uh, you know, Wake Forest, they're ranked, they're four and oh in the Atlantic. And, you know, you got Pitt and Virginia Tech leading the coastal. So you could have an ACC championship that doesn't even have Clemson involved, which is just crazy if you're talking about the last 10 years. So, um, that, that's going to be an interesting finish to that conference. That Wake Forest Syracuse game was uh, was a really compelling and entertaining game as well. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, Wake Forest had to do some work to get uh, to get that win towards the end of the game. Yeah, and Syracuse, you know, they wanted to go for two and couldn't get it done because they couldn't get the play in in time. Had to take a time, all of that stuff. You know, yeah, tough. It's a tough loss, but yeah. You have to be impressed with Wake Forest. Wake Forest, for me, offensively, would always be a challenge in that conference because I always feel like they would put up points. It was just could they get the athletes on defense to be able to shut somebody down or keep sure. the game close or get the necessary stops, and they play well this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, offensively, they they have six less points than North Carolina. I'm sorry, five less points than North Carolina total. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're – Putting up points is not their problem, no. right? I mean, they've given up 102, which is kind of middle of the pack. But yeah, um, but yeah, they're they're scoring plenty of points. That is not the problem in any way. So, okay, do you, you want to? Uh, we got about five minutes left, Sean. You want to see if we've got any uh, questions we can answer over here? Let's get to it. There, there was one in here, and I, I'm sure it's probably gone by now. But somebody was calling for you to be the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Hey. You know what? We can talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about that. I wouldn't mind moving to South Bend. Right. As uh, I've, my uh, real estate agent, that is Malik Zaire, has always told me, you know, get you a nice apartment on, on Eddy Street. See? See? There we go. I love it. I love yeah. it. I'm trying to, fi- I'm trying to find it because I can't. I think it was D-Rock, uh, our buddy D-Rock Irish, who, uh, who came up with that one. But uh, I can't. I knew people would be upset when I started talking about Michigan. Sorry, Tommy. Um <laughs> But yeah, anyway, yeah, they were calling for you to be the offensive coordinator, which I think is, uh, which is awesome. That'd be great. We have you. We have you, you know, in town. If I took the spot, if let's say, are you the old type of OC? Would you be on the field or up in the booth? Which, which, which you know, what that, type of guy would you be? So I would be up in the booth because that's okay. what I'm used to. Okay. Uh, but I have to have somebody that I super trust down on the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It, it was usually like my O-line coach was the guy that I trusted big time. And so I would relay stuff to him or he'd give his headset to somebody or or whatever, and he would relay the plays in. Um, but as a head coach, I obviously, obviously I'm down on the field, you know, right. that kind of thing. But OC, I kind of – I got to see it all. You, you see know it what all. I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about you? Where you, where, you, where, where I, would you, you know want to be? I would probably say I'm 50-50, but listening to you, the bird's eye view to be able to see everything and anticipate and the type of OC I would want to be, yeah, I would probably be in the booth as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It really is interesting because if you're not in the booth, you got to have somebody you super trust up there. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That they can. That and, is, and you have to trust their eyes. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm that trusting. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm that trusting. Oh, we lost Sean. Uh, hopefully he'll be he'll be right back. Let me look to see if we've got any good questions in here. A lot of uh, a lot of chit chat going on. Love this one, Irish for life. Hi all, God bless IB Nation. Sean Davis, Vince D'Addario. Yeah, there he is. He's back. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay, man. That is okay. 
Let's see. Michael Johnson says Georgia is the best team in the country. I, I think that's undeniable right now. Yeah. No question about it. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, was there a video for a pawn for the review for Virginia Tech? I didn't see one. There has not been because the normal time we do it is Sunday night. I had baseball. Uh, so it was it was on me. It was a scheduling conflict for me. Uh, Brian and I, we talked about it today. I think we're going to do it tomorrow night. Uh, so I think tomorrow around 8 o'clock would be my guess. That's usually when we do it at night. Uh, we're going to do our upon further review because we, we got to do that. We, we That's that's our thing. So uh, yeah. Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, I think is when we're going to do it. If it changes, we'll let you know. Uh, but we, that's the kind of – so today, we were going to do it today. Uh, but today, uh, I have twin daughters. It's their birthday. Happy so, birthday, guys. I got to hang with the twin girls tonight and yeah. uh, do the, do our thing there. So it's a family night tonight. So we got to push it to tomorrow. Uh, so I know we're, we're breaking up our, our – but it's a bye week. So, you know, we got to be flexible on a bye week, right? Do you um, buy them the same gift or do you have to shop for them separately? Well, they're 12 oh. now. So okay. it's 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 separate. It's separate. We're so starting to have our own personality. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, they they like the same stuff for the most part, but yeah, yeah it, they're definitely different. That's for sure. It, it it makes things interesting in our house. Let's just put it that way. And tell them continued blessings. I appreciate Sean, that, Sean. Family and everybody at the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Yeah, baby. I love it. I love it. Uh, we got a super chat here from Will. He goes, if we cannot make the playoff, I would love to play Michigan in a bowl and kick their butts. Oh, I mean, that would be I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That would be fantastic. I don't know. I am not uh, well versed in what our bowl, like, you know, our tie ins and all that. If we yes. if we would be able to play a Big Ten team, I know uh, we have SEC tie ins with because it's ACC, right? So the, yeah. op- the opposition is a lot of times it's SEC or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, I the only other game that I would want to see more than beating up on Michigan in a bowl game because we owe them. Yeah, last time we played, yep, would be somebody upsetting Cincinnati and seeing them at the end of the season again. I would love to have that rematch. We would be a totally different team up front because I I just feel like they just left plays out there, man. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That. It's spotting them basically 10 points because of those turnovers early. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, man. I, I I would absolutely love to see that. A little bit of redemption, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be fantastic. Look, I think this team is setting up perfectly to be in a New Year's Six. And yeah. if they're in a New Year's Six, I mean, that's a big game, obviously. I would really not want them to get paired up with, excuse me, the, the non-Power 5 team that ends up being in the New Year's Six, you know, I – I want a good game. I want a power yeah. team yes. that if you win that game, it propels you into the offseason, right? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. And and I think if if Notre Dame goes eleven and one and they win a game like that, a New Year's Six game, I think if you if you give the fans the truth serum, I think they're pretty happy with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And be, let's be honest. If I had asked you at the beginning of this season, or even after three games, and you have watched who this team really was. If I said, Vince, hey, buddy, well, do you want this team to squeak out an undefeated season knowing good and darn well that they make it to the college football playoffs? They're going to get crushed. They're going to get crushed. Right. Or would you rather see them win 10, 11 games, get better, and be a much better team at the end of the season and and beat a really good team in the bowl game 
and go into next season with the expectations that, yes, now we can win a national championship. Yeah, yeah. It's playing out that way. I would definitely choose that route over a route knowing we really don't have a chance. That makes two of us. I, yeah. I think that that's, that's best-case scenario for this team right now. Yeah. I, I really do because you're going to get most of the offensive line back. I mean, you have a chance of getting Patterson and Lug back. Um, I, I think Patterson will probably go, but I, th- I think that there's going to be a decision to be made, right? I, I yeah. really do think that. Um, but, so I mean, do look. Christoph- does Christophic then go to center? I, I don't you leave him at guard. I think center to me is going to be the question mark because yeah. if it's me, right? Yeah. If they're paying me to be the offensive line coach, right? I'm put I'm keeping Joe Alt at left tackle. Yeah. I'm putting Tosh Baker at right tackle. I'm moving Fisher into guard, mm. left guard. Mm. I'm putting Rocco at right guard and then Center is is your question mark, right? And yeah. frankly, you or I could dress up at center, and I think yeah. we'd be okay with those other four guys. So if you put if you end up with Alt and Fisher on that left side, that's McGlinchey and Nelson. Yeah, exactly. That's that's McGlinchey and Nelson. And you got and them for three years: this year, next well, year, and the next year. If they're as good as we at think least. they are, you got them for at least two. Yeah, two more years. Yep. Because if they're good. They're out of here. Sure. Junior year. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, but you keep those guys together for two years. Yeah. Ooh, baby. I'm telling yeah. you. I think that could be special. And I think Tosh is going to continue to get better as he gets into the weight room and does his yeah. thing. Yeah. Everybody loves Rocco, right? He was yeah. running with the ones in the spring. So, I mean, that could be a pretty good right side, too. Yeah. So, uh, no, but I'm with you. I think uh, Alt has been just, I think he's been fantastic. And I think he'll continue to get better, which is scary. Um, and we know what Blake Fisher is. I think he could be a really good left tackle, but I think he could be Quentin Nelson-like yes. guard. Yes. You know, so yeah. we'll see. They don't ask my opinion very often, and then when I say very often, I mean ever. So uh, That's a super athletic <laughs> tackle-guard combination. Yes, it is. You super can do athletic. all kinds of stuff with that, man. Yeah. You could be pulling, you know, getting them out in front. I mean, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, baby. So, all right, well, I think we've hit that witching hour, Sean, man. Hey, big ups coming in, helping us out today. Really appreciate it. Love having you on. We always have a good time. Plug your show, man. Let's. What, what do you got? Yeah, the Lucky Lefty Podcast with my co-host Malik Zaire, former left-handed quarterback for Notre Dame. Uh, he is a quarterback guru. He, he's been in the quarterback room in Notre Dame. And uh, I, I jokingly tell him every time I get upset with Brian Kelly, I'm like, that's your coach. That's, that's the guy that recruited you. So that's, that's our inside joke. But, yeah, go to Lucky Lefty Podcast, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and also follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we're also available, Lucky Lefty Podcast, on A2S Network on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and check us out. We'll be recording later today. Every Monday we record The Slant. And today we're going to talk about the best rooms around college football. Who has the best quarterback room? Who has the best wide receiver room? Nice. Go down the list of rooms, best rooms in college football today on the slant. So it should be pretty good. And every Monday we do, everybody that watches the show, we do the petty train. I'm going to have to give you a vote. I want you to have a vote every week for the petty train, man. Okay, okay, I'm down. We threw Brian Kelly on the petty train a couple of times. (laughs) And I don't know. I think Malik said he might become the conductor after his post-game comments. Oh my gosh! That he made the other night, it's like, "Yo, 
you threw Sebo. Sebo just caught a straight bullet. Yep. You know, Chris Tyree, uh, I thought Turf Toe was a pretty serious injury myself. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he couldn't even answer the bell. Like, like yeah, like he quit wow. on the school in the corner or something. Yeah. As oh, a yeah. Player. It's just like, what's going on? What are you doing? So he is he is officially the conductor of the petty train. So he can <laughs> no longer he's driving the train. And so now we have to find somebody else each week that has done something super petty or said something super petty. So we can add them to the train. So that's tonight as well. So we're just having fun. That's awesome. I love that. I would love a vote for that. But uh, yeah. so text everybody each and every text me your vote every Sunday. Okay, man, you got it. You got it. So everybody go check out the, the lucky lefty podcast. It's good stuff over there. I love listening to it. Uh, they bring the heat, man. I'm telling you, they, they bring the heat. So uh, check it out. And then of course, uh, you know, hit the notification bell for Irish breakdown because we are going to be doing some different stuff this week since it's a bye week we got some good stuff. We're going to do our grades. We're going to talk quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to do some different stuff. So make sure you stay tuned because uh, we'll, we're going to we're going to keep bringing you stuff, guys, because that's what we do. That's what we do. So, uh, and again, a special one tomorrow night. We're going to do our upon further review tomorrow night. So for Sean Davis, thank you again, Sean, for joining us. And uh, we will talk to everybody next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.